You are listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. And with that, let's go ahead and welcome up Marco Pelaziri as he preaches the word. Actually, we have a, uh, it's Michelle and I. So uh, it's a treat we get to um, do it together. But um, a couple of things here before we get started. Um, Angela Williams was in the hospital for procedure. It went well, and uh, she had to stay an extra day, so she'll be coming out tomorrow. So you want to send her an encouragement text um, to tell her you love her and you're praying for her. Uh, that would be great, uh, but she's going to be coming home tomorrow and is doing well. Uh, Russell and Diana. De La Peña, De La Peña, got married about 10 days ago, and they're going to be uh, training to be shepherding couple in the uh, MOE ministry, so they were single last time we saw them, but go ahead and stand up, uh, welcome them back from their honeymoon. You guys do know that we're Russell Meadow, right? Right downstairs in the, in the hacienda. Don't say it can't happen at the hacienda. Uh, two other things. A newbie is not with us tonight, Ivano Nubil. Uh, he's having dinner with the president of Rwanda right now. So I uh, just thought that was kind of funny and cool. I was going to join him, but yeah. But uh, he's with the president of Rwanda, so he won't be joining us on a serious note. And, um, and then how many people have signed up for the podcast? Okay, about uh, 12 of us. Please sign up for the podcast. Um, and it, you know... It can be a form of evangelism as well. If you hear a lesson that you really like, you can get on that right there and you can email that link to your mom, to your friend, to your cousin, to your neighbor, to your coworker, or you can text it too. So you can text the lesson or email the lesson to somebody and say, hey, check this out. This is what I learned about last night. Check this out and um, come next week if you're interested. So that can be one way. Also, all the, all the lessons on... Um, uh, the keynote right here, I put them into a PDF file every uh, Thursday, and they're automatically uploaded as well. So if you sign up for it, you can have the PDF automatically downloaded to your phone and the podcast, so you can have both. Because you know a lot of times you guys, wait, wait, no, don't move that slide, or uh, trying to take a picture and try to write everything down, um, you can get it automatically downloaded to your phone. Or if you weren't here one Wednesday, you can listen to the lesson plus get the notes. Isn't that cool? It's all the... Uh, Sai uh, started it and did an amazing job with the website, and then Turnwall's kind of built upon that. So really grateful for both these brothers and Jason Williams help or Jason Rain helping out, and a lot of others as well. So thank you uh, very much. And then the last thing, uh, if you are visiting, I just want to let you know we love the Word of God. Uh, I grew up going to church all my life. I, I was forced, uh, most of it, not all of it. Sometimes I actually wanted to go, but other times I was forced. But by the time I was uh, 19, right before I turned 20, I became a true Christian. You go, well, what were you before? I called myself a Christian, but I didn't know anything about the Bible. I really didn't know how to pray. And I really didn't know much about God other than He was real, He was out there, I believed in Him. So if you would have told me to turn to a verse, I only knew two, Revelation 3.20 and John 3.16. I was proud of it that I could almost quote them. But that's all I knew. And, uh, and yet, I'm so thankful because this church loves the Word of God. And we try our best to build our lives on the Word of God. And so I, I, ha- I found these. This is the Gospel of John right here. It's a little pamphlet. And I want to give you the Gospel of John challenge. If you're visiting or you've never read the Bible, I'll give you one of these for free if you'll take the Gospel of John challenge. It's very short. And read it in a week, between now and next Wednesday. And if you do it, I'll give you a, a full-size Bible. I'll give you like all 66 books. This is just a teaser right here. One book. But I want to give you that challenge because... It says right at the end of the Gospel of John that all the things Jesus did, if they were written down, it couldn't even fill, it couldn't, a library couldn't hold it. He did so many miraculous things and said so many amazing things. But it says the Holy Spirit limited these words right here in this uh, short manuscript. He said so that you could believe and by believing have life in His name. So if you'll read this, It'll change your life if you're reading it looking for answers. Kind of thing. So if you'd like one, I'll give it to you for free. The Gospel of John Challenge, you can read it very quick, and, uh, and then we'll go from there. All right? 
Ask me afterwards. Okay, we're starting a new series tonight. Uh, this is Michelle, as most of you know, my wife. And uh, it's called Warm Bodies, and it's uh, based on the movie. And you say, why, uh, why the uh, zombie movies? Um, well, um, it was just, it worked out that way. But the funny thing was, Michelle and I were watching uh, this movie, I think, and she's like, what's with all the zombie movies out there? And so she uh, went and did research, and any time a society, um, any time a society feels uh, powerless or hopeless or unhappy with the current system, uh, they kind of start making zombie movies. And so it's not, this is not, this, it's a current fad, but it's, they've done it before, you know, decades past. And, that's right, we're a bunch of zombies. But this was a cute movie. There were some parts that, you know, weren't completely appropriate, so I'm not recommending it. I'm referring, I'm saying it's a great movie that, and it was kind of funny. And so I pulled a few clips out of it that we're going to show here over the next few weeks. But one of the things you guys said in the survey last year was that you wanted to talk more about relationships and that that was important to you. And so we're going to do a three-week series uh, starting tonight that's going to be followed up in two weeks. I said a week to the small group leaders, but in, from, in two weeks, we're going to follow it up with a small group series where you'll meet with 8, 10, 12, 15 people in the living room, bring your guests, have a meal together, and do not the same lesson exactly, but be able to talk on a have, a, have a couple hours together of having a meal, talking about these things on more of a personal level versus just hearing a lesson one way. So I've got little invites for you uh, that uh, have four small group starting in two weeks uh, that'll be like this. Uh, and then I think what we're going to do is um, we, when we come back together in April and we do our lesson call, series called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, we'll watch World War Z. We're, we're going to do zombie movies all year. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay, so Marco's doing the preaching tonight, so that's why he's got like the really good traveling mic thing. And I'm just a little share. No, so I have my little stationary mic. But um, anyways, we're excited to share this together. And um, really, you know, we, as... Mark and I are married, right? And, and you all, most of you are single. And we don't know what you think, feel, need, want, really, because, you know, we lose touch. So we got feedback from you. We heard from you what you want to learn, what you want to help to grow in, and, and this is why we're doing this. And um, so we really hope that through this time that um, we'll all grow and our ability to love God and love each other and um, just get more connected in our in our friendships. And I kind of love, you know, the seating thing. First of all, you came in, it was really hot in here, so kind of set the stage for having warm bodies. And then, you know, as you're singing, I'm like looking across at Telva. I mean, how could I not smile? Because, you know, she's smiling right at me directly instead of just sitting in the front and looking at the screen. So this is pretty awesome. But but prayerfully, God's really going to move in our hearts and help us all grow in our ability to love one another and in our communication. Oh, okay. So week one this week is um, upward. And uh, uh, next week we'll be talking about how it's more than words, just how love is more than what you say. Tonight we're talking about it's what you say, right? Next week it's more than that. It's what you do and, and how we interact with one another. And then three, what are you afraid of? Just talking about the obstacles that get in the way of us being able to give our hearts to each other. Sound good? So like all zombie movies, we're going to show a clip right at the beginning. Like all zombie movies, some people are dead. And uh, the uh, zombies are trying to kill the human beings, and the human beings are barricaded. The living human beings are barricaded off and away from the zombies. And uh, they got a disease, and they're trying to kill each other and misunderstanding each other. And it's kind of cute. But, so we're going to open up with this clip. Yeah, you got It's not... Uh... Here we go. Sorry. What am I doing with my life? I'm so pale. I should get out more. I should eat better. My posture is terrible. I should stand up straighter. People would respect me more if I stood up straighter. What's wrong with me? I just want to connect. Why can't I connect with people? Oh, right. It's because I'm dead. I shouldn't be so hard on myself. I mean, we're all dead. This girl's dead. That guy's dead. That guy in the corner is definitely dead. 
I wish I could introduce myself, but I don't remember my name anymore. I mean, I think it started with an R, but that's all I have left. I can't remember my name, or my parents, or my job, although my hoodie would suggest I was unemployed. You know, I love that line, I just want to connect. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of how we can feel. We can be alive and be around a lot of people, and we can smile and wear the right shirt, and do our hair in a certain way, or crack the joke, or laugh at the joke, or be around just lots of different people and not connect. And uh, that's kind of what tonight's about, is about connecting. And I love what he says, I just want to connect, I just want to connect. And... Um, you know, this, uh, you're going to have to uh, step it one more because of that. You know, I found this quote. It says, just talking about being alone. You know, our tendency is, and I, I even saw this in my own family, that as people get older, you have less and less friends. Because you get hurt more and you kind of go, you know what, I don't really need it. That isn't worth it. That's not worth it. That's not worth it. Not everybody, but many people. And I, and I, and I you know, I found this quote, one can acquire everything in solitude except character. You know, character really is built in interactions with other human beings. There is nothing that has built my character more than marriage and parenting. Married couples, can I get an amen? Okay. Russell's like, what are you talking about? I mean, it's amazing. It's so easy. It is. Um, but, yeah, actually, um, you know, the, the longer you've known somebody for... Um, the more your character has a chance to come out, right? Because, you know, when you first meet somebody and you like them and it's fun and you're having fun together, it's easy, right? But, you know, the longer you know somebody, the longer, the, the more you get to know every part of that person, strengths and weaknesses, and then it can become more challenging to learn how to communicate and connect um, through those things. Um, by, by nature, I am more of an introvert. And you can really tell by the way I'm up here speaking. No, I'm kidding. Um, seriously, this is, it's, I, who I am today is just because God's molded my character, right, through my friends. But I, I would um, really be happy. I mean, these days in my life, I have three girls, two, teen, two teenagers, and a full life, and I crave being alone. <laughs> um, so that doesn't mean I won't, don't want to spend time with anybody in here, but... But I really do crave those alone moments. But really, the glory comes when you're interacting and working with people, because that's when you're, you really, God really gets to transform and mold you. So I'm going to show the last clip here, and then we'll uh, get into the rest of the lesson. I don't want to be this way. I'm lonely. I'm lost. I mean, I'm literally lost. I've never been in this part of the airport before. These guys are lost too. Wandering around but never getting anywhere. Do they feel trapped? Do they want more than this? Am I the only one? You know, I love what he said there. You know, I'm lost. I'm lonely. Am I the only one? And I think people can feel that, especially singles. And I do want to say this to the singles, and I say this sensitively. Sometimes we complain about, I'm lonely in the church. And I, I can hear that, and I can be sensitive to that. But it's not better outside the church. Like, it's not better in the world. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, And I was thinking about this, even Michelle and I, as we were preparing the lesson. Yes, you can maybe have a broader spectrum of choices, of men or women to choose from. If you're going to choose a godly woman or a godly man, there's not a lot of them out there. There's a lot, but relative to society, there's not a lot. So yes, you may have more choice. But what's so awesome about the church is even if you're not dating or you don't have that, that relationship, you can have so many meaningful relationships with members of the opposite sex, members of the same sex, friendships, if you choose to want to have them and to build them. And... And I'm so thankful because we can overcome our loneliness, which everybody feels. We can overcome our insecurities. We can overcome and go through things in life together versus just going through things alone. I remember, um, back to my introvertedness, um, feeling incredibly anxious in settings like this, especially with people 
if it was a group of people that I didn't know very well. And, um, and really, I, I didn't even know how to strike up a conversation. And I remember, um, you know, talking with a friend actually in the church, one of the brothers, uh, was close to Marco, and I just said, you know what, how do you do it? What do you say? And um, it was just, you know, I was maybe 20 years old, 21 years old. Um, you know, I couldn't really get much past, hi, how are you? Okay, yeah, it's good to meet you. You know, it kind of died from there. And um, it was so great to have people that, you know, you can talk to and ask a question like that and, and not worry about feeling stupid, right? Because that's kind of a silly, you kind of feel a little insecure even saying that. But then just to get good feedback on, you know, how to be able to have conversations that can get deeper, where you really feel connected and close to people. And um, so it's great, you know, tonight hopefully you'll learn a few things that'll help you in that direction. You know, the reason we uh, chose the title Upward instead of, you know, up W-O-R-D, is words are such a powerful thing. Listen to this about the power of words. And I want you to think about upwards, words that lift you up to yourself and words that lift up others versus down talk. And we'll talk a little bit more about down talk in a, in a little bit later. But think about the power of words. Soft words sung in a lullaby can put a uncomfortable crying baby to sleep. Excited words can stir a mob to violence. Where just 15 minutes later, they never would have done what they did in the heat of the moment where everybody got incited. Eloquent words can send armies marching to their death. A charismatic leader gets up there, he gets everybody excited, the music's playing, the flags are flying, and they all go march off into their death. Encouraging words can fan into the flame the genius of a Rembrandt or a Lincoln. Powerful words can mold the public mind as a sculptor molds his clay. Words spoken or written are a dynamic force. One of the uh, uh, biographer writing of Napoleon in his Italian campaign said this, quote, half of what Napoleon achieves is achieved by the power of his words. I read somewhere once that when Napoleon walked on the battlefield, he was so motivational that it was as if 10,000 more men appeared on the scene. Like, you know, if you saw 10,000 men coming to reinforce you, how you'd feel bolstered. That's the kind of force he had. And then he'd go from tent to tent, campfire to campfire, talking to people, connecting with them. How's your family? And he'd remember people's names. Where are you from? And he was just so motivational. And it said, his biographer said half of what he achieves is achieved by the power of words. Words can be the swords we use in our battle for success and happiness. How people react towards us depends in a large measure upon the words we speak to them. Life, I love this. Listen, life is a great whispering gallery that sends back echoes of the words we send out. I'm going to read that again. Life is a great whispering gallery that sends back echoes of the words we send out. Our words are immortal too. They go marching through the years of the lives of all those whom we've come in contact with. When you speak, remember the creative power of words. Many of us can think of a grandparent that said something to us that are, are long gone, and they, even if they were living, you'd say, hey, Grandpa, you remember when you said this? And they'll be like, uh-uh. Or teachers from the third grade, first grade, fourth grade, coaches, next-door neighbors, aunties, different people that said something to us that just encouraged us that literally we thought about while we were sitting in the college library going, I hate school, I don't even know why I'm doing this, or we're really down, or we wanted to quit on a job, or whatever. Someone's words echoed long past their presence in your life, or maybe even your, the presence of life anymore. That is the power of words. Look over into Philippians chapter 4, if you would. Philippians chapter 4. And before we turn there, I just want you to note about Jesus. Jesus had just preached his first sermon in his hometown, he rolls up the scroll and it says, all spoke well of him and were amazed at his gracious words that came from his lips. Wouldn't you want someone to say about you after having an interaction with you, man, something about that guy. What do you mean? 
I don't know, I just felt different being with him. You know, Michelle brought this insight as we were working on this together. I think they were used to people that were judgmental when they preached the Word. I think they were used to people that were legalistic and harsh and overbearing and condemning and said, you should and you haven't and why not and you need to and kind of made them feel, I've got it, what's wrong with you? The religious leaders. I mean, think about how many times in the Gospels they said about Jesus, wow, He doesn't speak like everybody else. He speaks with authority. Well, what was the authority? It was His presence. It was the love He displayed. It's what He said. The other people had authority that was in robes and fancy hats and jewelry and titles. They had the authority of society and of the Jewish law, but they didn't win over the hearts because I think they lacked the gracious words. You know how it is. When you're around somebody that you feel encouraged by, you look for them the next time they're around. Hey, there they are. I'm going to go say hi. And even almost intrinsically, you think you're going to get a little love, a little encouragement. You think about people that repel you. Or that you kind of pouring out your heart and they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Are you listening? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Dude, I'm serious. Yeah, I know how you feel. Uh-huh. Like there's just, woo, you know. There's just such a power. I want to be like that. Sometimes I can be. Sometimes I'm not. Let's talk about here in Philippians 4 how to become like that. Um, look at... i got to pull my Bible out here. Philippians 4, there's this story where these two women, leaders in the church, are not getting along. And uh, he, he, he uh, weighs in on it. Paul gets involved. And... He tells them they need to get along. And, and what I want to say is, if you want to have... Jesus said this, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What authority did... I mean, you don't typically think about authority and draw, being drawn to it. But Jesus, His authority was so full of love and so full of acceptance and so full of understanding and so full of sincerity that His authority made you go, I want to do what you're saying. It's true. I want to follow you. I feel you. You understand me. How did He have that kind of words? It was because of His relationship with God and how He saw Himself. And in Philippians 4, it says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition... With thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, we talked about this last week at the end of our series, that our boldness and our compassion to share our faith comes down to our personal righteousness and our relationship with God. When you're not being personally righteous, your heart gets numb, your eyes get cloudy, you get a veil, you don't really care. You're just only caring about your world. And you have to care about your world. But that's what you then only care about. Versus caring about your world and caring about other people's world. And I, and I think it's so important that if we really want to have gracious words, if we want to lift others up, it's so important that before God, we're lifting up praise and thanksgiving. In that passage, he talks about bringing our worries to God, our anxieties to God, petitioning God, bringing things before God. But then he says right in there about being thankful and having a spirit of praise and, and how we approach God. Um, you know, so many times I go to pray and I don't feel anything. Just, it's duty. But if I'll just start thanking God for everything I can think of and see, think of and see, start praising Him, it's amazing how the anxieties melt away. My heart gets soft. I suddenly go from feeling nothing to feeling something to not feeling much, but to feeling more, to feeling more, to feeling softer hearted, to feeling more, to suddenly I'm like, I wish I didn't have to go right now. I'm connecting with God. Um, I was re reminded about this um, last week. A friend of mine was over that I hadn't spent much time with. And um, she, you know, we were talking, Mark and I were sharing, catching her up to date on some of the challenges we've been going through just 
personally and um, with our family. And um, she shared about the story of this man that's faithful to God and was married and how his wife decided to leave him, and he has a child that has some handicaps. And um, and the way that he was able to get through the most difficult times of all of that is um, he would just get down on his knees and praise God and thank him. Actually cried. At, you know, cried out to God on his knees, crying out to God and praising him. And I, it was just so, it just helped my heart because it's so easy to get in a complaining mindset about the things we don't like that are going on, right? And yet when you get on your knees and you go to God and you praise him for what he's doing, it's amazing how it changes our whole perspective and mindset um, and helps us get focused on, on, on what God's doing and not just the, you know, the challenges that we're going through. You know, there was a, a minister uh, named Will Bowen in um, a church in Kansas City, and he knew about how important complaining affects our relationship with God. And he also knew that, you know, 21 days to change a habit. So he started this campaign with one of these little rubber bracelets, you know, and uh, it was called um, Complaint-Free World. It said on the, on, the, um, on the bracelet. And so he asked them, okay, church, who struggles with complaining? And what would the church say? Who struggles with complaining in this room? Who's, who, can, who can complain at least once a day? In your heart counts. In your heart, yeah. That stupid driver. Come on. Why are you going so slow? Why are you going so fast? Why are you cutting so close? Man, taking my parking spot, taking my lunch spot, taking my lunch chair. I always sit there. You know how it is. I mean, so he wanted a complaint-free world. And he said, all right, church, takes 21 days to change a habit. I'm going to give you the 21-day challenge. And he gave them all bracelets. And uh, he um, um, said, okay, put it on one hand, and if you complain in 21 days, once, put it back on, you know, you can put it on the one hand, and then if you complain, you've got to put it on the other hand, and then start over again, 21 days. And just keep flipping it from hand to hand, you know, until you can make it 21 days with no... Com- <laughs> Does that count? You know... He's, but it was, you know, and it started with just this church and it turned into like hundreds of millions of people got into this uh, back in the 90s, complaint free. Why? Because praise and gratitude don't, uh, they, they, they stifle your relationship with God. And uh, it ended up becoming 250 million people ordered these. Now, there's no magic bracelet. You understand? It's not like, this will help me stop complaining. It doesn't work that way. But the point is, our relationship with God and how we put ourselves before God makes such a huge, huge difference. This whole idea of how we see ourselves is really important. Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9. Boy, this is so hard. Let me just say that this is so hard. You can memorize the verse. I call it the great eight because there's eight qualities. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Let's talk about this whole thing about our thoughts, our thought life. We talked about our prayer life. Let's talk about our thought life. Because our prayer life and our thought life affects our word life. What comes out or doesn't come out of our mouth is totally related to our prayer life and our thought life. You know, humans have somewhere between 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. You say, how do you know that? I count it. No, I'm just kidding. But according to some research, as much as 98% of today's thoughts were exactly the same as the ones we had the day before. Talk about creatures of habit. Even more significant research has found of those 12 to 60,000 thoughts a day, 90 I'm sorry, 80% of them are negative. You say, not with me. See, there was just a negative thought right there. (laughs) Got defensive. Got kind of down on yourself, too, that you got defensive. Isn't that crazy? You go, how would you know that? I don't know, I'm not a researcher, but someone put a lot of time to thinking about it. So 80% of the 12 to 60,000 thoughts you have a day are negative. 
And you know, who, you know what many of them are about? Yourself. Or your situation, which is yourself. I thought that was intense. This is important because there's such a, a mind-body connection. They call it psychoneuroimmunology in medical terms. If, it's, if you're tired physically, it's hard to think clearly. Um, and it says negative thoughts are draining. They contain words like never, should, can't, complaints, whining, thoughts that diminish our own or others' sense of self-worth, and they deplete the body by producing corresponding chemicals that weaken the physiology. It says, no wonder we're so tired at the end of the day. From all the chemicals of the negative thoughts. You know, it's um, thinking that way is something we learn. It's not something that just, you know, happened. We've learned to think negatively about things. And depending on what you do for a job, sometimes that feeds into it, right? Um, um, as a, If you're a leader in any way, shape, or form, you've trained yourselves to look for things that need well, improvement, right? Um, in the church. You know, if you're a leader in the church, you've trained yourself to look for things that Everybody else needs to grow in, um, or the church needs to grow in, right? Or even personally, the things we need to grow in. Hopefully that's where it should always start, right? Um, but it's, it is something that we train ourselves to do. So, so if we've trained ourselves to think that way, then that gives me hope that I can train myself to think otherwise. And I was having a conversation with one of my, my youngest, um, this morning, or today on the way, dropping her off to go to church and, she was really upset with herself that she didn't get one of her good friends at school a birthday present yesterday. And she was just letting herself have it. Oh, I should have done. I should have done. And because Mark and I have been, you know, having this discussion and thinking about our words and what we say to ourselves, you know, automatically my ding, ding, okay, I shouldn't have. You know, I immediately helped her with her thinking. And I said, Natalia, instead of saying, I, oh, I, said her name, um, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have. Um, what if you said, oh, you know, I forgot, make an observation instead of a judgment about yourself. Mm, instead of I shouldn't have, hmm, I forgot to get a present for so-and-so for his b- birthday, so what can I do now about it? Right? It's, a, it's an observation and it's a positive way of looking at a situation, but how, how much more... Uh, less anxious and peaceful would we be if we learned to talk to ourselves that way? Instead of, oh, I need to, I shouldn't have, I, I have to, um, you know, that kind of talking. Uh, if we can grab hold of it and recognize it when we do it, and then just, you know, just observe the situation and think about, you know, what we can do, you know, it's great. It's solution. It's focused. It's faithful. It's positive, not negative. You know, he goes on to say to these sisters up in verse 2, I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they've contended at my side with the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Here's Paul, two women that are at each other's throat. Paul builds them up. with up, He uses some up words. He, now, he did put them up front there and said, hey, they need to agree with each other. They're not, it's not working. But these are amazing sisters. They can do it. And could you help them out, Timothy? You know, can you, can you get in there and help them out a little bit if they can't? But, you know, encouraging words make such a difference. And, and what I want you to walk away with today is when we think about words, encouragement and affirmation. Encouragement and affirmation. I wanted to show you this. Because you're not going to have this, but every blue moon, if you're not dealing with these two. If you're not dealing with your prayer life and your thought life, then very few encouraging and affirming words will come out of your mouth for yourself and for others. Very few. If you're always working with this, not perfectly, but you're aiming, then it's amazing the gracious words that will come from your lips or my lips. Check out this passage I found. Proverbs 18, 20 and 21. I never thought about it like this. From the fruit of his mouth, a man's stomach is filled. With the harvest from his lips, he is satisfied. The tongue 
has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. I thought, what a great picture that what we speak about and how we speak to others actually encourages who? Us. It satisfies us way more than a meal, way more than a new outfit, way more than a new vacation, way more than any of those things that are so quick-lived. You know, you get a new shirt and in six months, you're like, I have no nice shirts. And you've only worn it, you know, a handful of times, but it's not new anymore. But But this whole concept of what our mouth can produce can so satisfy us, can so fill us, when you think about encouragement. And this challenges me and encourages me. The tongue has the power of life and death. And you know, the book of James talks a lot about that. That a tongue, or, you know, is like a spark. Such a small thing can set a whole forest on fire. It talks about the tongue being a restless evil, full of deadly poison, set itself on fire from the fires of hell. That's what James said about our tongue. I mean, if we let it go, it can do so much damage like that. But if we use it powerfully, boy, can it fill our stomach and satisfy us in such a way of, I love how I'm treating people. And I love the relationships. Remember what I talked about, the power of the words? Our relationships are directly relevant, relative, excuse me, to how we speak to people, how we communicate to people. This is an interesting thought. Um, there are 800,000 words in the English language. 300,000 of them are technical terms. The average person knows about 10,000 words and uses about 5,000 every in everyday speech. Henry, you're probably somewhere since you're, you know a lot of technical terms. I'll give you 20,000 or 30. Okay. But, but I thought that's number one, that's humbling. 800,000 words, 300,000 are technical terms. We know about 10,000, use about 5,000 on a daily basis. How will you use your 5,000 words today? How will you use your 5,000 words tomorrow? How will you use your 35,000 words between now and the time we meet next week? Because words are a commodity, right? It's not how fast you talk, or how slow you talk, or how clear you talk, or how witty you are, quick on your feet, or how, you know, what kind of accent you have in Spanish. That doesn't do it. It's what's coming up and out and how you make people feel. So here's some uh, communication that makes people feel great. Upward versus down talk. Look at this. Pleasant words are honeycomb. Sweet to the soul, it says, and healing to the bones. And First Thessalonians 5 says, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up as in fact... You are doing. You know, what a cool picture of our words being like honey. Or our words being so meaningful that they go all the way to the inside of somebody. Healing to the bone. Do you ever have a conversation with somebody? I had a conversation with a brother the other night, and I came home and I said, Michelle, God allowed that. I needed I was feeling, I was wilting a little bit. I was feeling a lot of emotions inside. And it wasn't even a planned conversation, but... But God knew what I needed. He knew I needed those encouraging words. It was like sweet to my soul and healing to my bones. Our words can be so powerful. And the Bible says to encourage each other and build each other up. You want to try it? Okay, we're going to try. Here we go. We're going to try role playing here a little bit. I'm Marco. That's my wife. No, 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 no. No, we're Okay, now we're single. Okay, here we go. So, Michelle wasn't at church on Sunday because... Uh, we're at midweek, and Michelle wasn't at church on Sunday, literally, because she was at the vet putting Gracie down to sleep. So, our bunny... So, hey, hi, Michelle, how are you? I didn't see you at church on Sunday. You okay? Um, Yeah, I noticed that. Are you okay? Um, well, um, no, not, not, not really. Um, actually, you know, this rabbit I had, I, are you an animal lover? Well, <laughs> I don't want to kill any of them, personally. Depends how you define lover. 
the reason I say that is because, I, you know, if you're not, then you may not really understand. No, but I want to hear. Please tell me. Well, you know, this thing around that I got when it was just this little tiny, adorable little thing. And she was so sweet, and, and she just, you know, would be so happy every time she saw you. And she'd jump up and chase her tail, and She's being serious about Gracie, by the way. <laughs> She'd hop in your lap, and you know, and and I had this whole thing for like eight years. I'm sorry, Michelle. That must have really been hard for you. you know, Sounds like it was almost like a dog or something. Yeah. <laughs> you like dogs too? Uh, I like dogs to visit with. Oh, that's terrible. So sorry. How are you doing now with it? Um, well, you know, I surrendered the unsurrendered. Yeah, well, I'm really sorry. I know that must have been hard for you. And it sounds like you had a real connection with your animal there. <laughs> I'm being serious. I was being serious. She started laughing. There's a backstory here, okay? Sounds like you had a real connection. And uh, you got to stop it. You try this. Um, boy, that must have been really hard for you, and I'm really sorry. It's so good to see you again. I know nothing I can say can make it feel better, but I'm really uh, glad you're here. And thanks for sharing that with me. And Sorry you had to go through that. Thanks for asking. You know, not everybody asks, but I'm really feeling. Love just, you, sis. They just, you know. <laughs> sometimes, you know, they just kind of give you a hug and say, you know, hey, good to see you, and then, you know, walk on. So I appreciate you taking the time to really care about how I'm feeling and, and not just say, hey, why weren't you at church on Sunday or Wednesday? But... You took time to care about me, whatever. Well, you're, you're awfully cute, so I figured I had to. <laughs> Slipped out. How did he do? How okay, did here's, he do? we're going to close out here. And um, how did I do? We're, we're, we're going to close out here. And what we're going to do is, um, I'm going to give you one more verse, and um, and then the, what we're going to do is we're going to break into our small groups, and we're going to plan for our small group meeting in two weeks. So you don't have to have another meeting outside of this with your small group. As you know, for the uh, the little discussions we're going to be having, the small group discussions, we're going to take this time to plan for that in our small group. When we're going to meet together to pray together, to evangelize together, to plan together whose house, what what we're going to bring. But check out these practical ways to affirm someone. To affirm someone means this. To encourage or provide emotional support. Um, number one, treat someone like you just first just met them. How do you treat people when you first meet them? Want to try it? All right, we'll try it right here. We're not going to do all these. Hi, how are you? Are you your first time here? You're awfully cute. No, I didn't. I'm just kind of... I couldn't resist. I, I couldn't resist again. It just came out. Okay. Sorry. Take two. Okay. That was told. Do not do that in the fellowship. You'll offend people. I'm really tempted to do it again, but I will not. Hi. What's your name? Hi, I'm Marco. Marco, it's really great to meet you. Thanks for coming tonight. I'm oh, glad you're here, and I hope you know you have a great time meeting everybody. And yeah, it seems like a great group, a real handsome group in that as well. I'll tell you, I feel diverse and. All right, all right. But you know, when you when you meet someone for the first time, sometimes we're nicer to the guests. Out of formality, you know that saying, um, familiarity breeds contempt. You just get used to people. Hey, bro. Hey, sis. How you doing? What are you eating there? You know, just kind of this, kind of, maybe a grunt, maybe a wave, maybe nothing. Maybe you just go to your favorite friend. Or maybe you just sit there. Kind of like the people in the movie theater. They're sitting by themselves waiting for the show to start, not talking. we got to get up and get out of ourselves. But, but you know, there's a sense of a courteousness. 
and asking questions and taking an interest and being extra polite because you go, hey, this is the first impression I care. Two, practice positive gossiping. What is that? You know, gossiping is, yeah, you know, I don't know if you talked to Clay. Have you ever seen Clay's room? Oh, my goodness. I am just saying. I mean, I'm a clean person. And I wouldn't live with him. But anyway, you know, and, Clay, I'm sure your room's clean. I've never, okay. But were you, that's gossiping. Positive gossiping is, have you ever had Timmy's brownies? Oh. What? I mean, have you ever had her pies? Pastries? Have you ever been over at the dinner at Timmy's house? I mean, she is an unbelievable cook. Yesterday, she made these chicken pot pies from scratch. It was incredible. But what I found out is she does it for everybody. I thought I was just her favorite, but she does it for everybody. I mean, her and Miles are like, they are throwing down the food. They are about hospitality. So behind her back, I am, I am shining the apple. You know, just, just building Tim, Timmy up. You know what's going to happen besides you inviting yourself over? Is when you see Timmy, you're going to go, Timmy, I heard you're a great cook. What? Yeah, Marco was talking two days ago. He was talking about these pies, pastry. You know, you're going to be like, somehow that's going to get back to her in the same way when you gossip negatively. Three, this one was very interesting to me. Make an observation versus just a compliment. A lot of times compliments can seem insincere. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I have a friend that I cycle with, right? And she is great at this. Um, she makes the... Uh, we were at a party once, and I helped sweep a floor at the end, right? Just sweep up, sweep up the floor. The next week, I rode with her. She's Michelle. I am so impressed. And I'm like, really? What? 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 what about what? She said, at you. And I'm like, well, okay. Wow. You know, did you notice I've been working out a little hard? No, it wasn't about my cycling. She says, that after that social, she said, you just grabbed that broom and you went and you were sweeping that kitchen. And I was just so impressed that you would do that, that you would even think of sweeping the floor. And I'm like, okay, you know. (laughs) But, you know, I've known her for two years. And she is like this continually with everything. And the littlest thing she observes, and she makes a point to make you feel like you're a million bucks that you did it. I go, Nancy, her name's Nancy. I said, you know, I, I want to be like you because naturally I'm looking at what still has to be done, right? And who didn't do it versus looking at the little things that people do and making a big deal out of it. Yeah, a compliment, it can be just, wow, Henry, you're really generous. And that can be sincere, but it's very different saying, boy, I've really noticed uh, that the way you've been using your time and uh, with so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, and not just on Mondays, you do it on Mondays and Thursdays and Saturdays, and it's really generous of you. That's very different. Sometimes people don't like to take compliments because they already feel so bad about themselves, and then you say something, and then they say, well, that's not true inside, and it's kind of a re- a, almost a negative reinforcement or it can seem insincere, but when you make a observation of something they can hold on to, boy, is it, is it affirming. Number four, catch someone doing something good. We've all heard about that before and tell them right on the spot. Number five, dump the yes buts. I'll tell you that, Marco, he is a great guy. He's a really good talker. But let me tell you, you get him talking? Yeah, but I'll tell you, walk away. Walk away. You know, and he's, oh, I'll tell you, he's really friendly, but I'm telling you, he wants something from you. Walk away. Like you just kind of this, you build up. Just so you can do the, yeah, but, let me tell you the other side. Hey, everybody's got another side. Everybody's profoundly weak in multiple areas, at all times. But if that's all we do, yeah, that's great brother, bless their soul. Anytime someone says that, be careful, because the next comes, yeah, but, let me tell you about them. He owes me $10, you know, and just this kind of a... How many of us do that to ourselves? Like somebody will try and give you a compliment. They'll say, oh, you look, your hair really looks nice. And you're like, well, yeah, but, you know, I really didn't do anything with it. You know, I haven't washed it in three days, actually. But, you know, really, you think it looks nice? Or, or oh, I love your jacket. Yeah, but, you know, I just picked this up at Goodwill and only spent like $4 on it. You know, it's funny. you got to learn to make, give make, them and take them. 
Make affirmation your goal in every interaction you have with another human being. It is amazing. You go, I don't have the time. If you're focused on it, you can affirm somebody in less than a minute or two, whether it's someone you know, someone that's just a vendor, someone that's serving you, that makes their, literally, they're beaming the rest of the day. You say, what does this have to do with relationships? I wanted to learn about guys and girls and this and that. If you're an attractive person in your heart, then what will come out of you is attractive words and you'll attract people. This has everything to do with relationships. Everything to do with relationships. Let me just close with this verse. See to it, brothers, none of you has a sinful and unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Encouragement. Words. The tongue has the power of spiritual life or spiritual death. Our words make a difference. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. So every midweek, we have an opportunity to really build somebody up. As long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I found this last, this last slide. I found this quote. There is no wilderness like a life without friends. Many people, my mom was a nursing home nurse, RN, for 20, almost 25 years. And there were a lot of elderly people that nobody visited them. Their kids didn't come. Their family didn't come. They were just sitting there waiting to die. And many of us have seen that elderly person in the neighborhood that no interaction. We have such a blessing to have friends. Let's use our words in such a way that it encourages people. Thank you very much. You've just listened to the Elevate Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.